This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. It's no secret that the power of a brand can make all the difference in the world of marketing. When people think of Apple, they think of clean, sleek, and innovative designs. When you think of Wendy's, its smart and clever Twitter account has become the high watermark for how brands interact with their base. But what happens when you're a smaller brand still building out your message? How do you go about finding your base and your voice? We can talk about the quality of the food, the antibiotic-free chicken. We can talk about our made-from-scratch southern sides. We can talk about that hospitality experience. We want you to feel like a guest when you're there. And we thought that was just a bigger play to help educate people around hot chicken and also have a little bit more of that broader appeal. So we're not just that destination to come try hot chicken once, get the hottest thing. We want to develop customers that love our flavor and love our experience and want to continue to come back to us for more. That's Katie Woolrich, the CMO of Joella's Hot Chicken. And on this episode of Marketing Trends, she dives into the importance of messaging and understanding where your brands live within the marketplace and in the minds of consumers. Plus, Katie provides insights on how marketers who are accepting their first CMO position can hit the ground running. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest Katie. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Excited to chat about hot chicken today and many other things and your background. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing? Yeah, my real start in marketing actually started during a summer abroad program in college. It was a six-week advertising course in London, and we got to work with a real client. We worked with Walker's Crisps, which is the UK equivalent of Frito-Lay, and they gave us a campaign brief. We did market research. You can imagine a bunch of 20-year-old Americans running around parks trying to interview people in, in Britain about their opinions on potato chips. That's what we were doing. And we got to concept a campaign, do the creative for it. We shot a video, we did packaging, media plan, the whole nine yards, presented it to the client. It was amazing, intense, fun. And I'll never forget the last day of the program, our professor said, how did it feel, you know, to make all these decisions, build this whole campaign. And we're all like, this is amazing. This is great. He's like, well, just remember this feeling because it's going to be a long time until you get to make these kind of decisions again. And I, I still remember that. And I, I didn't take it in a negative way, like, oh, I have this long road ahead of me. I've got to work my way up. To me, it was really motivating. It was, this is what I want to do. Now I know why I'm going to work so hard to get to that point. So that really kind of gave me the advertising bug. I finished college and I got my start at an ad agency in Detroit, literally routing print ads around the building. And then I moved to Chicago and I worked at DDB. That's where I really kind of honed my skills, grew my chops, did brand repositioning work, Super Bowl ads, campaign launches, and loved the agency life. But I got an opportunity to move client side to Wendy's and jumped at that. And now I'm in my, my third client side role. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, like that, that jump from, uh, you know, to client side, um, what, was the, what was the mindset shift like? 
Yeah, for me, we, it actually came about because I was moving with my fiance at the time to Columbus, Ohio from Chicago. And I really wanted to continue to work on a high caliber brand. Um, that was something I was fortunate to have done at the agency. And there aren't many of those agencies in Columbus, Ohio. I had a contact at Wendy's and there was an opening in their advertising production department. And I'd always kind of been toying with the idea of a brand side and I made the leap and really haven't looked back. I think in the beginning, it was a little bit of imposter syndrome and you have to get used to being the one, not just making the recommendation, but owning the decision and being responsible for the results of it in just a different way than agencies are. Certainly they, they have a lot on the line as well, but it was just a different kind of mindset shift. But it's nice to be the one, you know, being able to make the decision and own it and also be able to, to send requests to the agencies that I, I know I sent a lot of people working and, and had a little bit better work-life balance being on the client side. Well, and, and we're going to get into some of the work that you've done at, at Wendy's and other places, some award-winning work uh, here in a little bit. But, you know, fast forward to today, you're the CMO of Joella's Hot Chicken. What is the scope of your responsibilities? Yeah. So Joella's Hot Chicken is a, a much smaller organization, certainly than Wendy's or Papa John's and other places I've been at. But I took this role, frankly, because it was smaller. You know, my old boss told me this would make me a better marketer because I was going to have to get scrappier. I was used to big budgets, used to big resources. And being able to kind of work at Joella's has just been a, a tremendous opportunity to really, you know, expand in my strengths and then also stretch myself into other areas. So here, my responsibilities really include anything that is on the consumer-facing side of the business. I partner really closely with our regional vice president of operations, and we work together to, to take an idea and bring it to life, both inside the restaurant on the operations side and outside of the restaurant as it relates to the customers. So I do, of course, the typical marketing functions like customer research, advertising, you know, all the customer touch points like the website, packaging, social. But what's been really fun is when I joined, Joella's only had six locations and we're actually opening our 19th location this month. So it's been a tremendous period of growth for the brand. Hey now. Yeah, yeah. Just a couple of years too. So it's been fun to, you know, really establish better brand standards to help build all these new restaurants, launch into new markets that's been really a, a great opportunity of being able to stretch myself. We also don't have a chief digital officer or a chief technology officer. So, you know, I've been really excited to kind of bring delivery to the, the table here and open up that channel for the business. We're launching a loyalty app this month. So again, kind of finding new systems to both enhance the data we have on customers and open up new revenue channels for us. So it's been... Gosh, I think seven years or eight years, maybe, uh, since I lived in the South far too long. And now with, you know, everything going on, it's like, I don't even visit. Um, but I have never had hot chicken. Uh, can you share what, so what's unique about uh, what you all do at Joalas? Well, first, we're definitely going to have to fix that. So you let me know when you're in one of our states and we will get you some hot chicken. Once you have it, you definitely won't be able to go back to regular fried chicken. So for anyone else who's not familiar with what hot chicken is, is, you know, we take chicken and we really infuse spices into all aspects of the cooking process. So for us, that means we're starting with brining our all natural chicken at least 24 hours before we serve it, have kind of our spices go in there. We hand bread it 
and we fry it. We certainly have grilled or vegan if you prefer that. And then what makes it hot chicken is you get to choose from six different heat levels that we have this oil-based sauce that we brush onto the chicken before it's served to you. So we have from no heat, which we call Southern, which is just fried chicken, all the way up to a waiver-worthy fire-in-the-hole sauce that's got Carolina Reaper pepper in it. So really, you can have a different experience every time you come. You can try the different heat levels. You can try the different dipping sauces with them. And it's just a different flavor profile than you've really had anywhere else. And for us, it's really not just about heat. It's really about that flavor of the chicken. We still want you to be able to taste the chicken and not just feel like your mouth is burning off and just have that whole kind of Southern, good quality homestyle cooking experience. Gosh, how many people eat the one with the Carolina Reaper? That's some, that's some tough, <laughs> that's some wild stuff. It is. We, we have a, a fire certification card. So if you are brave enough to order it, sign the waiver, we want to give you, you know, something to show off to your friends that, that you actually took that challenge. But we do get quite a few people that, that love it. Um, some people try it and are like, never again, but glad I tried it. Uh, we actually, this year, launched a heat variety pack. So you can try all six of the heat levels and find which one's right for you. You know, we found the number one question new customers would have is, what heat level should I get? I have, I've never had hot chicken. I don't know. And we created this heat pack so you can really try you know, all six heat levels by yourself with a friend and kind of safely be able to test the fire in the hole without having to, to commit to a whole meal of that, that intensity. So, you know, you, you talked about um, how marketing is, is different. It's a much smaller team. It's much, uh, you know, less resources than obviously had a Wendy's. So how do you think about, you know, marketing? Um, what are some of the things that you're doing? Obviously, it's, you have a very local product. So, you know, you're not running Super Bowl ads. You're not doing the stuff that, that you used to do. Um, what kinds of things are you doing? Yeah, I think one of the the parts of marketing that has surprised me is just really the impact that local public relations can have on the business. I think working on bigger brands, it was, that was not as much in my area, but working on a smaller brand, you know, being able to give back to the community and partner just on a really local level with different organizations in the community. We really do see move the business. So I think that's one area that has been surprising to me at this size organization, how much that can matter. You know, I kind of view being a chief marketing officer as really being both the chief brand officer and, and the chief guest officer. At Joella's, we call our customers our guests because that's how we want them to feel when they come visit with us. And I really think, you know, to be a good chief marketing officer, you have to be looking at any decision the company's making and saying, is this right for the brand? And is this right for the guest? And if the answer to either of those questions is no, we should really be taking a look back and saying, is that something we should be doing? Make sure we're going in the right direction. You know, for example, we, we've gone into some of our new markets in the last year or so. Some of them have a little bit older demographic than we usually do. And we found, you know, they're not as familiar with hot chicken. So we've talked about, well, should we add some different menu items that might be more appealing to the, the palette of, of this older demographic. And, you know, we talked about it, but really that's not who we are as a brand. You know, we want to have good food. It's not all about heat for us, but we don't want to also water down our offerings. So instead we kind of shifted the messaging to really being about education of what hot chicken is. That it's not just about heat, it's about flavor. And we also have no heat options. 
you know, it's really about good quality Southern food, Southern hospitality experience. So really looking at the guests, at the brand and making sure that, you know, the decisions we're making in each individual market are appropriate for both of those groups. Yeah. I I know one of the things that you all did was that you did a, a campaign called Bless Your Heart. Can you share a little bit about that? Definitely. So the Bless Your Heart campaign came about in May of this year. So as we all know, everybody had to pivot, you know, pretty hard when the pandemic hit and, and we were certainly no exception. One of the first things that we did was just go back to who we are as a brand and a big part is giving back to those local communities. Like I mentioned, and we have a saying that Miss Joella says, which is honey, always do the right thing. So pretty early on in the pandemic, we started doing food jobs to hospitals, to senior centers, We offered free kids meals to every day until 5 p.m. because we knew that kids were out of school and we wanted them to be able to have a hot meal if they needed it. So we'd done a lot of efforts to really give back to the community early on in the pandemic. And then Bless Your Heart campaign was really tied to Teachers and Nurses Appreciation Weeks, which both happened to be the same first week in May. So we, we thought pretty hard about what else can we do to really support these groups, because we'd already at that point given away about $20,000 in in free food to the communities. And at that point in the pandemic, most places were still pretty much in in a big lockdown. So everybody was still feeling a lot of that isolation and was desperate for connection. So we said, let's find a way that we can recognize these teachers and nurses, not just give them free food, but also just acknowledge what they're doing to help their communities know that the nurses are, are literally on the front lines, essential workers, and the teachers trying their best to, you know, keep everything going for the kids. Um, it was just so crazy in the beginning. So the Bless Your Heart campaign was a way for communities to nominate local teachers and nurses and say, hey, thank you for what you're doing. Like, this is amazing. And then we would take those nominations and give them free food. So we thought that was just the perfect way to to say thank you, still give them free food, but more importantly, give them that recognition and give everybody that sense of connection that I see you, I see what you're doing. And we really appreciate that. So we were able, we got about 225 nominations, you know, just in that short span of a week and we're able to give away, you know, a lot of food to people who who really earned it. And and we were really happy to be able to, to do that for them. Yeah, I mean, is that kind of one of those things that that being uh, a CMO like you are, that being able to have like that kind of impact and kind of to be that that tactical is something that you know you think about as kind of like part of your brand arsenal? Because obviously, it takes resources, it takes effort, you know, it takes people from your team working on that stuff. Um, you know, how do, how do you think about those type of investments? Yeah, definitely. It, it's a great question because when we came up with this campaign, you know, we loved the idea of it. And then we kind of looked at it and said, well, this is going to be a lot of work to pull off because there, there were a lot of logistics to it. But, you know, we really believed in the idea. We believed in who it was going to benefit. We thought it was a great fit for the brand and we found a way to make it work. So I think you know, that's part of just being scrappier and working finding the right partners in the organization, having the right people on your team, the right agencies that you work with to help you, you know, kind of pull out all the stops to, to make these things happen when, when they're meaningful enough. But I love being able to do that kind of stuff. I think that's really where you get to see a brand shine, where you get to make those authentic relationships 
with the community and also frankly with the team members at the store. I think for a lot of them, being able to do these food drops in the beginning at these hospitals really helped keep some of us going in, in April and May when you know the world was just upside down and it, it gave us, it helped us ground us in our sense of purpose. So I think for the right idea, you'll always find the way to make it work and get through the logistical challenges that it presents. So I have a question about kind of branding because it's hot chicken and hot chicken is not something that, you know, everybody knows about, especially like, you know, if you're, if you're in a family where um, maybe you don't like hot stuff or something like that, and you, you have tons of options for, for people who don't like hot stuff uh, or if you have young kids or something like that. How do you think about like, you know, building a, a category around this, you know, this idea of hot chicken? Um, is it something that you spend money to just inform people that like, hey, it's not just hot chicken. And then also, you know, you have 100% antibiotic free, hormone free, all natural chicken, which is hugely important, you know, uh, and a huge selling point for a lot of people these days. That's a great question too. And it really varies by market, you know, how savvy we see the customer base as it relates to awareness of hot chicken. It's definitely still a growing category. So a lot of the work we are doing is kind of growing that that base awareness of it. Some people have heard of it, but never tried it too. So, you know, being able to be accessible and, and give them that option. We are the largest hot chicken brand by by unit volume right now. So we we are bringing that to a lot of people and we, and we take that seriously. When I joined the brand, one of the first things I did was actually kind of refine our messaging a little bit as it relates to hot chicken and how much are we going to lean into hot you know, as you said, not everybody wants hot and people don't know what it is. So when I joined, there were so many wonderful phrases and iconography as part of the brand, but a lot of it didn't necessarily live together. We had a saying, the bird that bites back, which really leaned into heat, hot, you know, the fire in the hole type aspect of the brand. And then on the wall of every restaurant, we had a quote that said, honey, always do the right thing from Miss Joella. And those two things are both really cool ideas, but to me, a different person is saying those. Those those probably come from different brands. And when we looked at the the marketplace and the category, you know, the, the category is hot chicken. Everybody has to be hot. So bird that bites back wasn't necessarily going to be differentiating for us in the long run. So we have kind of opted to lean more into that honey always do the right thing leaning into that Southern experience. So we can talk about the quality of the food, the antibiotic-free chicken you mentioned. We can talk about our made-from-scratch Southern sides. We can talk about that hospitality experience. You know, we want you to feel like a guest when you're there. And we thought that was just a bigger play to help educate people around hot chicken and also have a little bit more of that broader appeal. So we're not just that destination to come try hot chicken once, get the hottest thing, and, and, and maybe not go back. You know, we want to develop customers that, that love our flavor and love our experience and want to continue to come back to us for more. You also have, uh, not only a, as your role as CMO there, but you also are kind of dual-hatted. Uh, can you share more about your, your other role? Yes. So Joella's Hot Chicken is owned by Schulte Hospitality Group, and that is a management company. We manage over 150 hotels in the U.S. and Europe. So... I frankly love being able to, to work both on hotels and restaurants. 
I have more experience in restaurants. So that's a little bit more of my core comfort zone and being, you know, kind of expanding into that hotel arena. You know, I have agency experience, you know, as I mentioned before. So to me, it's very similar to that in that I get to kind of juggle some different brands, different clients per se. And I like being able to kind of wear those different hats. I think it keeps me on my toes a little bit more because I can set a problem aside. I can set hot chicken aside and go think about something else for a couple hours or a day and come back, you know, maybe with a little bit more perspective. So I really enjoy being able to kind of balance that. It's all hospitality related. So certainly a lot of synergies within the industries um, and just a lot of fun to work on both. So going back to some of uh, your other work, you know, you've, you've worked at both Papa John's and Wendy's, you know, you've done a ton of things from social media to branding. Uh, what were some of the, the key learnings that you had uh, in those organizations, you know, working at massive scale, working on Super Bowl ads, working at, you know, huge kind of partnerships and things like that. And then any favorite campaigns that you had over, over the, uh, over the years there? Definitely. So, so many things come to mind when you, when you ask that, you know, for me at, at Wendy's, I learned so much there in my first client side experience. I started on the television side. I moved into the digital side and, and kind of full campaign integration. And I think, you know, distilling it down to one of my key lessons, I think it's, that you really have to keep your message you know, very simple and very consistent to build a brand. I joined Wendy's when you know, they weren't known as they are today for, for being funny and for being sassy. You know, it was really at the beginning of kind of the switch in their messaging and their branding. And that takes a lot of work and you really have to start with strong strategic insights. And I think it can be so tempting to try to say everything that's great about your brand but when you do that, nobody's going to remember. Everybody has such short attention spans right now that you really need to kind of pick one message, be very direct about it, and hit home with that. And at Wendy's, you know, quality was always a big part about the brand. And we had this line, you know, fresh, never frozen beef that, you know, internally we thought everybody knows that. And we found that, yes, everybody knew the phrase, but when we did research, seven out of 10 customers didn't believe it. They thought that's just the marketing line. That's not a real thing. And that was very upsetting to us, you know, from the brand, because we're like, this is who we are. And we thought you know, we had all this equity in that and, and people don't believe it. So, you know, we kind of took that. And instead of just saying the line again and again, because that's what we've been doing for 40 years, we dramatized the notion of fresh, never frozen beef. So we created campaigns where we had a fictional company called The Other Guys, and we showed you what the other guys did with their frozen beef. They used them as hockey pucks. They used them as table stoppers. We created these whole infomercials about what other guys might do that actually ended up in our Super Bowl commercial too, where you see a guy using a, a hairdryer to dethaw frozen beef. And we just said, don't settle for frozen beef. So what was really interesting is, you know, we, we dramatized it, but the real opportunity came in having this strong strategy, the strong messaging, and then being ready for that opportunity that, that kind of came to us in social. So we had just a everyday, regular, organic social post about fresh, never frozen beef, because that's what we're trying to talk about. And this one Twitter user, poor Buggy D, you know, kind of commented and said, you know, everybody thinks that's a joke, right? That that's not true. 
So our social team, because we've been kind of hammering, you know, we, we need to debunk this right now. This is our goal. This is our message. We need to be consistent. They jumped on that and said, hey, actually, it is true. We've been doing it this way since we were founded in 1969. And Thuggy D wrote back and said, so what, do you deliver it raw, you know, from your truck? And, and from there, he kind of gets a whole, a whole lesson in the difference between refrigeration and freezers. <laughs> I think he had to delete his account as a result of that. It, it kind of blew up one of probably one of the earlier things that blew up for Wendy's on social. But that moment would have never existed if we didn't, you know, as a brand, you know, really distill our message down to something that was, you know, tangible and that we're going to focus on and really work hard to, to change that perception about. So it was really just fun to be part of that and, and see how that one message can carry through to all those different channels and touch points. And it might not always look the same in execution, but it's all going back to that same message. And that's really kind of how you can build a brand. Yeah, that's an incredible story. I mean, well, you know, we've actually talked to uh, a bunch about Wendy's in previous episodes on the show because, because uh, we've had some folks that, you know, previously worked there and worked on the social side of things and just like how much emphasis social media played into, you know, getting those that earned media or whatever, you know, however you want to call it. Um, but just earning a share of conversation and being funny and being quippy and, and those sort of things, you know, a little easier to do when you look at it after years and years and years at how, you know, how Wendy's can do that. But for you starting out, like, how do you think about those things? Cause it's, you know, like you said, you don't have all the resources. You can't have a team of people working on the, on the, you know, social accounts. Yeah, it's definitely because I come from that. I know that it does, doesn't happen overnight and that not every brand is, is ready to do something like that. So it's been interesting, you know, kind of building the resources here and finding, you know, our voice in social. I think everybody wants to be a Wendy's. I think that's most of the briefs a lot of clients give agencies nowadays is I want to have the Wendy's Twitter account, but trying to find your own way. And it may be in social, it may be in other ways that you deliver that message. And I think we're still, you know, we've done a lot of the branding work and really been focused on, on growing. We need to still kind of find our, our moment to really get that big PR light on us. But it's also hard, you know, the scale that is just so different that part of Wendy's success is that everybody knew who it was and that they were doing something different than what they were known for. They were known for being, you know, the place that the older crowd would go and, and get their chili and baked potato for lunch. So seeing that big shift, I think, gave them an easier platform to, to get a little bit of attention when they really did take a left turn and, and do things differently. I think because we're building more from a consistent place to begin with, I don't think we're going to necessarily make those waves up front, but just trying to, you know, take those learnings from, from Wendy's and, and not try to be everything to everybody, just know who we are and talk about it so we can build the brand loyalty and find those new customers who, who we believe will like us if they try us. We should have put a disclaimer on this episode that if you haven't eaten lunch yet, uh, then... Uh, <laughs> like myself, uh, silly me, because this is just agonizing at this point. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I need some, need some hot chicken. So, um, I'm curious then because, you know, it, it is, you know, tough to be kind of an upstart brand, but it's also, you know, fun because you kind of get to make your own rules, um, and things like that. One of the things that you've worked on a bunch is, uh, is some like award-winning campaigns, winning, winning a few lions there. 
do you think about that anymore on the operator side? You know, like, uh, are, are you worried about winning awards right now or do you have a different focus? Yeah, it, it's definitely a different focus. And, and I will say, I don't think we ever went out and said, I'm, you know, we're doing this to win an award. The award was, you know, certainly the, the amazing icing on the cake of, you know, just validation that you did really good work. So, you know, right now, not as focused on the creative awards, but really, you know, focus more on getting recognition in the industry. Joelle has been, you know, on some, you know, hot 40 startup lists and things like that. So that's really where our focus is right now in just growing as a brand. We're growing so fast. So we're getting attention there and, and hopefully then the creative will, will follow. We'd love to win awards, but it's definitely not the primary motivator. The motivator is definitely grow the business, grow the customer base, help us expand into new markets and, and the rest will follow from there. I do believe that. Any, uh, any other campaigns that you worked on over the years that were particularly uh, fun or interesting? One of the, the first campaigns I worked on at DDB Chicago when I was agency side was for cars.com. And DDB was you know, a massive agency. We were known as the Super Bowl agency. We had the Budweiser account, we had Capital One, you know, all these major brands. And, and here I am working on littlecars.com. You know, we had two account people and a planner, but it was perfect for me because I was able to kind of like I am now at Joella's be on a smaller team and, and stretch myself more. And we did a ton of research to find out like, what should cars.com be about? At that time, that industry was all about listings, 2.4 million listings, and we couldn't compete there. So we knew we needed to do something different. And we found this insight that car shopping is stressful, which is kind of a bit of a no-brainer. Everybody knows that. But that the real tension point of that stressful is related to the dealer. And people just didn't feel confident. They felt that the dealer was always going to know something they didn't know. And no matter how much research they did before, they kind of lost their confidence at that moment at the dealership. So we said, we can take that. That's, that's an insight that we can leverage and we can help arm people with the confidence they need to close the deal. So from that, we created a campaign called Plan B, where you go into the dealer expecting to negotiate a car. You kind of expect it's not going to go well. So you've got plan B ready because you think you're going to need it. But because you use cars.com, you close the deal and you don't need plan B. So you're kind of left there with Glondor in the stone circle of death or a witch doctor ready to shrink your head that, that you don't need. So you call off these like crazy, fantastical creatures. That was the first, you know, Super Bowl campaign for cars.com. So it was really fun to, to take, you know, this little brand and dramatize a consumer insight on the biggest stage. And we saw brand perceptions increase. We saw site traffic increase. But to me, one of the things that I enjoy the best, most about it is we went from being this little account of the agency that nobody really wanted to work on to being the account that the other creatives were asking to work on because we were not just talking about feature ABC. We were able to, you know, take something real, a real insight and, and have fun with it. We, we had a great client who also, you know, let us play there, but it was really fun to just have the strategic and the, the creative side of that just all come together for a really cool campaign. And, you know, 10 years later, it's still one of my favorites I've worked on. What are some of the challenges with marketing in the food industry? Obviously, you know, 
we want to be super data centric and data driven these days. But, you know, a lot of times that can be, that can be tough, right? It can be tough to gauge intent of, uh, you know, of somebody who, you know, wants to get their hot chicken. So, you know, curious, like, you know, how have you viewed some of the challenges? And obviously 2020 has its own unique set of challenges, Mm -hmm. but how do you, how do you combat those? Yeah, I, I think you definitely circled, you know, what I think is the biggest challenge and opportunity in food marketing. And that is just being able to get that the intent and also that final attribution to those in-store purchases. There's just still a big gap in being able to fully know exactly what drove that final purchase at the register. Um, you know, both Joella's and, and Wendy's, when I worked there, you know, the majority of the purchases were made in restaurant or in the drive-through. And so we didn't have that kind of data. Now, one of the benefits, I guess, of COVID is we are shifting more people toward buying online just because consumer behavior is changing, which is a little helpful, but I, I expect that will shift back, you know, when people feel more comfortable dining in again. So I think to me, that's always the, the biggest challenge is just having that final attribution. Uh, when I worked at Papa John's, that was actually one of the things I was most excited about is, you know, in that case, the majority of the purchases are made online versus in-store calling. So we had a ton more data and insights into consumer behavior, into their frequency, what they were buying, as well as, you know, the normal stuff that you can always tell, which is the product mix. So that was really exciting to be able to pull that ROI of the media plan just more directly to the sales and the revenue. That's one of the reasons, you know, we're getting ready to launch a loyalty app for Joella's. Not exactly the most novel thing. A lot of people have loyalty apps, but I'm just so excited about it because I'm going to get a lot richer data on who our customer is. I won't have to maybe guess as much as I am now. You know, I definitely have some data, but it's not as as rich or as deep as I want. And really be able to take that information and find the right message, the right timing, the right moment to kind of incentivize you know, our loyal customers and guests to come back more frequently. So I think to me, loyalty is, is just a huge play in food marketing right now. I talked a little bit earlier about you know, delivery is something we started after I joined Joella's. Delivery definitely brings its own set of you know, operational and P&L challenges. But to me, it was always a play for just being where the, the guest is shopping for food. And I know at least in my family, usually I don't say, okay, we're going to order takeout. I want X place. I want Joella's. Usually it's, all right, are we going to pick something up? Or are we going to get delivery? That's usually the first decision for a lot of people. And then if you're in delivery, you're opening your DoorDash app, you're opening your Grubhub app, and you're kind of looking through there for restaurants. So to me, if somebody's already decided delivery and we're not there, we've lost them. Whether they know us or love us or not, we just aren't in the consideration set for the occasion that they have selected. So to me, being in delivery is just being present in the channel and the occasion that our guest wants to be in. So I think delivery has been a huge opportunity for the food industry, although it's certainly a love-hate relationship with, with some of the delivery partners. So I think having a strong relationship and you know, making sure you're supporting each other in marketing is, is really critical to seeing success there. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot more co-marketing now than you ever did, obviously, but you do see it a lot more now and it makes sense, right? It's like, you're talking about potentially groups that have, you know, big budgets that can do some really creative, uh, creative things together. Yeah, absolutely. And 
you know, we partner exclusively with DoorDash and early on in, in the pandemic, you know, we worked with them to bring free delivery to people. So, you know, there's definitely opportunities to partner with them and, and they want to too, especially for restaurants that they are seeing produce volume, which Joel's is, is fortunate to, to be on that list. But it is finding the partnerships and supporting that channel and then them supporting us in return. So are there any other things that, uh, you know, obviously years coming to a close, uh, we're now in 2021 planning and thinking or 2021, depending on when you're listening to this episode, what are you excited for, for next year? Uh, what's next for Joelis? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, we're opening our 19th location this month and launching our first loyalty app. So that's where a lot of our focus has been is kind of getting those off the ground and and we, we certainly don't take for granted the fact that we're, we're opening new restaurants in 2020. You know, there was a time earlier this year where we actually put the restaurant we're opening this month on the back burner. We, we got out of the deal because we didn't know at the beginning of COVID what was going to happen. So we we're very fortunate to have been able to open three new restaurants this year and get this loyalty app off the ground. So I think 2021 for us is, is going to be refining this loyalty program, actually getting learnings from it in order to make actionable, get those actionable insights and apply them. You know, if, if I can get our loyal customers to just come back two more times over the course of the year, you know, we'll see a return on this program, which I'm really excited to, to be able to have that level of data. And then hopefully there will be opportunities to continue to expand our wings, as we like to say, and, and open in new markets. You know, as you mentioned, you've never had hot chicken. So we know there's a ton of people out there who haven't had hot chicken yet. And, and we believe would want to try it if we can, we can get to all those places where, where people are interested. Well, especially, you know, especially the, the antibiotic-free, hormone-free, all that sort of stuff. Because I think that that's part of the, part of the challenge, right, is like, you know, you can, you can throw a stone and get, and get fried chicken from somewhere, but you don't know how it's made or how it's prepared or those sort of things. Right. And then plus the fact that it's like, oh, it's this new thing, hot chicken that I've never had, but you can also get it Southern style. Like that, that to me um, is just, you know, exciting as a consumer, right? It's like, Hey, let's try this new thing for the first time, you know, and by the way, like we actually know that it's not, uh, you know, you can have it if you're, you know, especially in the, in an era right now where we really want to track what we're putting in our bodies because, you know, being immunocompromised and all those things is, is extremely dangerous. So yeah, that's, it's, it's cool. And it's obviously, you know, something to get, to get someone in the door for the first time to try it for the first time is, is the name of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And part of why, why we're growing, where we're growing is because of that supply chain. You know, we have, you know, great suppliers that deliver the quality product. We want to be able to serve our guests and, you know, as we expand further geographically from where we are, you know, that's a much bigger conversation to ensure we can, you know, maintain those standards because that that's really important to, to who we are and, and what we're trying to do here. Okay. Let's get into our lightning round. These questions are lightning fast, fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Check them out. They've been with us since the first episode of Marketing Trends. Salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. Katie, are you ready? I think so. Let's do it. I know so. I know. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> number one, what's your favorite menu item at Joella's? Definitely 
the jumbo tenders. Now my heat level has increased since I've been here. I started at Ella's, then I was a tweener and now, now I'm up to hot. I'm not quite at an everyday fire in the hole, but, but I get the, the hot tenders, the mac and cheese. And if I'm feeling healthy, the kale salad, if I'm feeling not so much, the Parmesan garlic fries for sure. Do you have a favorite book or podcast that you've been uh, reading or listening to recently? Yeah, I really love NPR's How I Built This. Sure. I've worked on a lot of brands that have strong founder stories. So I think that part appeals to me. But, you know, being a marketer, a lot of, you know, I feel like I've said insights so many times this podcast, but a, a lot of how these companies started was grounded in an insight they had about the industry, a problem, and that they were looking to solve. So I really enjoy seeing how they take that and, and build a whole company on it, as well as seeing where they got scrappy and, and where they zigged and zagged. You know, I think it's easy to look at these companies and, you know, with shiny eyes and, and think it's so amazing, but everybody has struggles and that's part of the journey and part of how they got to where they are today. So I like hearing those stories reminds me that being scrappy is a good thing and that everybody faces challenges. But if you stay true to your roots and, and why you started this company or this idea or, or this job, you know, you'll get through it. Well, awesome. I love it. Yeah. I, uh, I you know, it's great. Uh, always, always great to hear podcasts, uh, listeners. Do you have a best advice for a first time CMO? Yeah, well, I'm a first time CMO, so I will share, you know, what my former boss who, I think you mentioned earlier, Brandon wrote and told me when I considered this job. Yeah, shout out to Brandon because he was awesome. And we got some really good uh, Wendy stories when he came on the show. Yes. Uh, gosh, that was many moons ago at this point. Yes, Brandon, he's amazing. And I, I still go to him for advice today. So when I was considering this job, you know, he said, get in there and just listen, you know, find out, you, you know, food, but find out about the company, find out about operations, find your allies. And then, you know, don't be afraid to act. You know, once you've gathered the data, once you've listened, you know, don't be so afraid in your first time as a CMO that you have imposter syndrome, feel like you have to reinvent the wheel because you were hired for a reason. You have experience, you know, rely on what you're good at. If you found a process that works somewhere else, you know, adapt it here, but you don't have to start from scratch. So I think it's easy to feel overwhelmed in, in a big title and feel like you have to do the coolest, most innovative thing right out of the gate. And, and that's not the case. You know, find out who the company is about, find out how what you've done before translates and apply it and you'll build from there. Any final thoughts? Well, I'm going to ask you a question that, that I ask everybody who I interview and, and that's tell me a favorite ad you've seen recently and why. Ah. So I love talking about advertising. So we'll put you on the spot. Sure. Um, yeah, favorite ad that I have seen recently. I absolutely love, 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 love the, uh, I think it's nationwide, the ads that they're doing about you're turning into your parents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're just like, they're so funny. They're so smart. And I want more of them. Mm -hmm. Like I want, I want them to do, they've been running the same one for the same couple. And I'm like, do 50 more of these. <laughs> these are freaking great. They're so funny. They're like perfect. They're they're perfectly done ads. Yeah. And uh and it just it just kills me because you know, if you're in that you know, that part of your life where you're like, "Oh my goodness, it's true. I am turning into my parents." <laughs> yeah. I love those. That's a good one. Yeah. 
But well, that's that's it. That's all we got for today. Thanks so much again for joining. Everybody, check out uh, Joel's Hot Chicken. Uh, if it's near you, um, go go grab it. Uh, grab it this weekend or something. Hey, anything else? No, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for uh, for joining us. And take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.